This is Raptors Shootaround. It's on to the finals. A TSN 1050 playoff special. Oh, baby, what a play. The Raptors and the NBA Finals live here. Oh, yes, guy. Well, that's the hour number two send-off right there. Pre-recorded, of course. Normally, I do all my stuff off the cuff and live and ad-lib, but we had to pre-record that because it had the right tone. The tat man is only human. Sometimes the right tone is not there. Let's see. Oh, yes, guy. That was actually a better one. 123-109 was the final for the Raptors last night, a 2-1 series lead. Sherman Hamilton is here. At Sherman Hamilton is the Twitter account. TSN Raptors and NBA analyst. Sherm, how are you this morning? I'm good, Jim. How are you doing? Very good. I mean, that was that was a treat to watch. Uh, you were on site. What was it like in that building? It was pretty interesting. Uh, it, it, when you go to Oracle Arena, it's tough to keep that crowd out of it. And uh, from the jump, the Raptors did a great job of keeping that crowd relatively quiet. And um, they wanted to explode. The crowd wanted to go crazy, but the Raptors never gave them a chance. However, the Raptor fans in the building were all over it. So there was this energy that was going against the Oracle crowd that you could feel building throughout the course of the game. And, and it, just, it was just weird. Every time you're an Oracle, you just know the crowd's going to explode, and you never had a chance to. And also, there was also this feeling from the Raptors that there was no fear. There was the understanding that they felt they were the better team, they knew they could win, and they were very confident throughout the course of that game. There's a couple of things that jump off the page. The pace of play was phenomenal, and I, th- I think that the Raptors actually beat the Warriors at their own game that way, didn't they? Well, they did, and they did a good job of dictating times when they chose to run and not allowing Golden State to run. And that's tough to do when you think about Golden State. And we can throw the caveat in there. There's no Clay Thompson. There's no Kevin Durant. We get that. But this is still a team that wants to play up-tempo basketball, and the Raptors did a great job at least having two guys back, sometimes three or four, making sure that Golden State didn't have any open-court opportunity. Uh, and on the scoreboard, the ultimate cat-and-mouse game, and, and it just seemed that any time the Raptors got into double digits, the Warriors would slice it, but, but, but sure enough, as soon as that happened, the, the Raptors would get it back to double digits. That, uh, at any time, I mean, two out of the three games, uh, the, both their wins are shooting above 50%. That's phenomenal, isn't it? Well, it is, and you think about it, the timeliness of the buckets when they needed it, it's it's amazing. Golden State has what we call the spurt ability, where they go on that 12, 15-point run, and they either get back in a game or they really extend the lead. I thought the Raptors, to your point, every time Golden State made a push, got it to around seven points, somebody made a big play, whether it was Serge Ibaka, whether it was Fred Van Vliet, whether it was Danny Green or Kawhi Leonard or Kyle, somebody made a big play. And that, to me, was the confidence I was talking about. There was no panic. Golden State makes a bit of a run. They start to close the lead. All the Raptors did was just continue to make plays consistently that kept Golden State at bay. Uh, you, you try to add some perspective. You know this game inside and out. I mean, that was the ultimate contribution from all the Raptors offensively and defensively. On, on the other side, Curry absolutely carried the Warriors. He's responsible, if you put his points in assist in there, for, for almost 55 to 60% of, the, of their offense. And, you know, I, I don't know that, that you can you know, take a lot out of this game and say this is what's going to happen the next game. I would, I would tend to do a complete reset. What are you expecting in game four? Well, you're right, and you can't look at any two games in the playoffs and think that the same game plan is going to work to a T. So, yes, Steph Curry at 47, he was amazing in terms of scoring the basketball. You knew he would with the lack of firepower that they had. But you're right, moving into Friday's game, you can't approach it the same way. If Clay's back in the lineup, 
you know, you know you have to adjust. You know you have to be prepared for another guy who can create a lot of disruption for you. And ultimately, I think if you look at if the same lineup is on the floor for Golden State on Friday that was on on, on Wednesday, this is a team that's going to make adjustments. They're going to do some different things to try and help Steph Curry and allow other people to, to chip in offensively. So the Raptors have to be prepared, and I think it's a huge game. Think about it, Jim. They could go up 3-1. Yeah. If they go up 3-1, it's a wrap on this this finals, and, and the Raptors will be the champs. So there's one of those things where you've got to really lock in and really focus and not think about getting home court back, and now you can relax and go back home in case you lose. Get this win on Friday, and this championship is yours. So that's got to be the focus. Well, and, and you know, just today off, there are, there, people are going to do something, but, I mean, there's a short gap between games three and four, and and I don't know exactly how that plays out. You know, I, I don't know if Thompson's going to be in or if Durant's going to be in, and what they'll be able to contribute. And I would look at the Raptors and suggest to you that because they all of them were in last night, uh, there's going to be some drop off in performance because of the, the the quick turnaround. It's a really difficult thing to read, isn't it? Well, it is, and, and understanding that. Well, Craig Thompson, he will have had five days of treatment and rest between the game two in Toronto where he got injured and game four. So that actually helps Clay Thompson in terms of seeing if he can be a bit more rested, a bit more healed up to play. Uh, for the guys that played, though, it's a different story, as you mentioned. Steph Curry logged a lot of minutes. A lot of pressure was put on him, and he's going to have to figure out a way to muster up the energy to get it done on a one day off. The rest of the guys for the Raptors, look, they knew what was coming. They understand today is a day of treatment you know, kind of get your rest and get prepared for Friday. So both teams are going to be a bit fatigued based on the lack of time between games. But for Clay Thompson, it does potentially help giving him an extra couple of days to try and rehab and get that hamstring better. Yeah, but as you say, I mean, then he's going to have to pick up some slack for Curry. I don't think you could count on that type of performance again. And because they're both out there, there's only one ball. So it's going to be, I guess, a little canceled out. Maybe the concern for me would be, you know, can Thompson do it defensively? What do you think? Well, I think if you're the Raptors, that's the first thing you test. You go at him and you go at him early and consistently and see if he can move laterally, how fast he can run where his issues are, and you try to expose that. You're not trying to hurt anybody, but you want to attack him and see if he's ready to play. Uh, but both those guys, Jim, as you know, they played on the floor together in terms of Steph and Clay. They've had a lot of success. So you're going to have to be prepared for a team that's going to move the ball a bit more. They're going to be able to attack from different areas. Individuals like Steph and Clay are going to be able to make plays on their own. It just creates another dynamic that the Raptors have to deal with. And when you think about uh, Game 2 in Toronto, Worse, Clay was on the floor. He really held the Warriors in that game until they were able to get it going in that third quarter and really open the game up. So Clay has shown that he can basically keep his team around and score the basketball efficiently and at a high rate. And if he's back in the lineup on Friday, you've got to attack him every chance you get to see how healthy he is. Sherm, you're well aware of the X's and O's. What exactly did the Raptors do last night that way? Well, I think they knew that. Steph was going to be the only guy that could really hurt them offensively. So they put a lot of pressure and attention on Steph and made him have to work. Now, Steph took 31 shots to score his 47, but he only made 14 shots. So they kept him to a low field goal percentage, which is what you're going to do and the best you can hope to do when a guy like Steph is on the floor and you know he's going to take a lot of shots. And then what they did is they dared other people to score the basketball, but they did it with pressure. They didn't just 
dare them and gap them and say, hey, shoot it. We're trusting that you're going to miss it. They put pressure on people to make plays, and I thought their energy defensively was excellent when they focused on Steph and still were able to scramble. They rebounded better, and I thought they did a good job of being more disciplined on offensive end, going deeper into the shot clock, taking more quality looks at the basket, which allowed them to set their defense five-on-five instead of having to scramble off of a bad shot, which becomes the first pass of Golden State's transition. So they were real focused on the defensive end, and offensively, as you said, the contributions from six players with double figures and the early aggressive offense from Kyle and, and, and Mark and Danny Green making those three-point shots was excellent to set the tone and really force Golden State not only to have to score but to understand that defensively they're going to have to guard every position. They don't have a position that they can slack off of and help out on Kawhi. They were going to have to defend everybody on the floor. Sure, I'm a big fan of the the developing story, the building story, the evolving story. That that certainly describes the Raptors. Who you go back over uh, three rounds. I wouldn't go back into the Orlando round because they just they, they handled them. But in Philadelphia, against the Philadelphia Sixers, they, they learned how to beat the Sixers at their own game. They certainly learned how to beat the Bucks at their own game and repeatedly took the game away from the Bucks. And here against the Warriors, they're, they're beating the Warriors at their own game. I mean, for, for me, this is a, a constant sort of raising of the bar. I mean, Pascal Siakam's career sort of mirrors that. But, but in, in this particular case, I, I don't want to say that last night was the best they could ever play because I think there's another chapter here. This is a stunning thing to watch, isn't it? Well, it is when you think about this team getting better as uh, the stakes rise, so to speak, to your point. They've answered the call. They've adjusted on the fly. They've been able to to get different contributions from different guys that might not have been playing well earlier in the playoffs. And this is kind of what we're used to, Jim. This is a team that was built on their depth. There's a reason why when Kawhi was out in the lineup, this team still won games on a lot of games because the other guys on this team have experience. They know how to play. And when they play as a team, move the basketball like they did last night with 30 assists on 43 made field goals, that means that everybody is contributing. And that, to me, is how this team was built. And then when you add Kawhi to the mix, now you have a closer, a guy who can just dominate at times in the game and can make plays that nobody else on the floor can make. But this is how this team was built. So to see them step up to the challenge is very impressive as the stakes get higher. But also, this is what the the I'd say the fifth time they played Golden State this season. And they've won four out of five games. So there's starting to be a belief that the Raptors are a better team than Golden State right now as presently constituted. And I think their play on the floor is proving that. Sherman Hamilton is our guest. At Sherman Hamilton is the Twitter account. Sherman, when you go through all that, if you looked at the box score, I mean, what is the most meaningful performance last night and who, who delivered it? You know, it's interesting. Serge had... Six points and I believe five rebounds in, a, in about 22 minutes, 21, 22 minutes of play. And he had a stretch in the fourth quarter of about four minutes where he was just phenomenal. He had that stretch where he was rebounding, he was blocking shots, he made some shots. He did everything they needed him to do. After the first, I'd say, couple times he was on the floor where he didn't have as much success, he was excellent during that stretch. So I'd give the ball to Serge just based on that little run. Having said that, it was great to see Danny Green get it going from the three-point line and do things that you know he could do. Him and Kawhi in that third quarter did a great job combining for 24 points of the 36 that they scored. But to see Danny Green shoot the ball confidently, efficiently, and to consistently make shots throughout the game, this is something that we felt that if this was happening throughout the whole playoff run, 
the Raptors would have had an easier time getting to this point. So Serge, I thought, did a great job. Danny did a great job. And that's taking nothing away from what Kawhi and Kyle did. Or Fred. I thought Fred was excellent. And Marcus All did a good job. But I think Serge had a stretch in that fourth quarter that was so impressive on both sides of the basketball. Sure. Just before we let you go, there's there's that uh, that bit in the second quarter where the Raptors were stuck in mud at 52 points for about four minutes. Kyle Lowry got them out. What was happening there? What wasn't happening there? Well, it's, it's kind of the thing that always gets them. When they stop moving the basketball, Jim, yeah. they become a very easy team to defend. They, they keep the ball on one side of the floor. The defense can set and lock in. Help side doesn't have to rotate very far. And, and to me, when they get going one-on-one, that's when they struggle and they give Golden State an opportunity to get a break on the defensive end. It doesn't help them either because offensively on the glass, if that defense from Golden State has an inside position because they're not moving, then you take a shot, there's no chance for an offensive rebound. So when they get back to moving the basketball, as we saw through the rest of the game, Golden State struggled to catch up to the basketball defensively to rotate and expose them a, a couple of times on their defensive glass with the Raptors being able to capitalize with their size and get some offensive rebounds. But that second quarter got stagnant when the Raptors started to play a bit too much isolation and they stopped moving the basketball. So, Sherm, just to paraphrase, you say that if the Raptors win tomorrow night, this is over? When you go up 3-1, Jim, I think there's only, I believe, 11 comebacks in the history of the NBA. Don't quote me on that, but it's a very low number. Wow. So you're pretty much writing your own ticket when you go up 3-1 in a series. So if you're the Raptors, understanding that you have a chance to go up 3-1, have to make that happen and take it home and say, hey, now it's time to close it out. Understanding this, if you get game four, then you're going home saying you got the home court advantage back. But you got game three. Time to get greedy try to close it out as quickly as you can. The old step-in-the-throat routine. Sherm, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, Jim. That's Sherman Hamilton. That Sherman Hamilton is the Twitter account, a part of a Raptors broadcast, an NBA analyst and former player as well for Canada. So this is a, a big moment. And, and let's not underestimate the, the intelligence of the Raptors here. I mean, you could look back over the three games and, and understand that there's two gaps. There's the four-minute gap last night where they were stuck in mud, and, and that was because, as, as Sherm testified and Kawhi Leonard said earlier, they weren't moving the ball. And so let's start moving the ball. Okay, okay, we start moving the ball, and you start winning. Uh, lesson learned. And, and it's an upgrade from what happened in Game 2 where they had that six-minute run to start the second half. They didn't move the ball. They turned the ball over. Uh, they were stuck in mud there, and all of a sudden it was an 18-0 run that was augmented by a, a two-point, uh, a 2-0 run going into the break. So it's a 20-point sway. And, and so the lesson is learned. You have to keep the pace up, and they did. And when they did that, the, the Warriors could only trail. And so maybe that's the lesson they, they take into Game 4. I like what he said there about what could happen tomorrow night, so we'll see. I don't want to get too hasty on that. Tomorrow morning on First Up, Landsberg and Koliakov will be announcing the Raptors' playoff keyword. Brian Hayes will then give you a cue to call during overdrive. First person through with the correct keyword will win a pair of tickets to see the Raptors in their Game 5 of the NBA Finals, courtesy TSN 1050. Up next, Ben Cohen. He's a sports reporter for the Wall Street Journal. You are listening to Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Little dead stuff there. Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Jim Taddy with you till noon. Then it's Leafs Lunch with Andy Petrillo, followed by Matt Cos and Raptors Game Day, followed by Overdrive and the full story of the Raptors 123-109 win last night will emerge. Let's bring in Ben Cohen now. He is the sports reporter for the Wall Street Journal. Ben, welcome. How are you this morning? 
I am very good. How are you? Good. Uh, you know, we haven't talked, so I, I don't know what you were expecting going into this. How would you sort of equate what you thought the series would be to what it is? Well, I thought the Raptors were very good. I thought uh, they had the ability to throw a fantastic amount of stuff at the Warriors, and the Warriors haven't really seen that much stuff in any of uh, the last five finals. Um, I don't think the series is ex- exactly as I thought it would go, just because of the Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant and Kevon Looney injuries, but I thought the Raptors were for real, and uh, to me, they, they look like the better team in this series right now. Yeah, I think we would all agree with that. Uh, last night, for me, what what was um, impressive and, and interesting to note was the way, the pace of play. I I didn't know they could do that, but the Raptors certainly won that. And and obviously, without Thompson and Durant, that can happen, right? Yes, I mean, you know, it's 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 hard to look at a team that has uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala and think that they're undermanned. But you know, the the Raptors have like seven defenders who who cause problems for a lot of guys on the Warriors. I mean, they have so many good defenders, they can't even play them all at once, right? And I think when, when they are undermanned and when you, when you can focus on Curry as the primary scoring option, um, the Warriors look very different. Um, and it, it, it does sound silly to say about a team that has Curry and Thompson and Durant, um, but when you take one and when you take two guys uh, out, they, they really don't have enough shooting around him. And I think the, the Raptors have been able to exploit that so far. It's been intriguing for me to watch the build of the series, how the adjustments are made and, and things are corrected and, and taken to the next level. Having said that, we're three games in. What do you think happens that way with adjustments in Game 4 by both teams? Well, it probably depends on who plays, right? Yeah. Um, but but um, I, I do think, I mean, you know, Steve Kerr has been in this position before, right? This is their fifth straight finals. But I think Nick Nurse has acquitted himself, like, phenomenally well. I mean, he, he seems to have pushed all the right buttons, um, during this playoffs run, but but he's he's making smart adjustments in this finals, and it seems like he still has cards to play, right? I mean, he, I, I just keep coming back to the options that the Raptors have, and they seem to me to be able to play in any number of ways, and I just think they still have stuff that they can throw at the Warriors, and, and I'm not sure, like, I, I don't think this series has reached, like, the end game of, of this chess match, um, but I do think that the Raptors have more pieces and and not just because of the injuries i i i think they can play more ways than the warriors and and over the course of a seven game series options are really useful right i mean they might even be more useful than the collection of talent that golden state has and so um those options home court advantage back i mean it just feels to me like the warriors they they're kind of like they, they look like the underdogs right now which you haven't really been able to say much about this team over the last five years yeah, Ben, I really like what you said there, and I think that, that sums it up. When you watch the Raptors' performance last night, you know there's another level or, or more to come. Uh, the Nick Nurse story, we didn't know what to make of it just because Dwayne Casey had done a nice job all these years, was the coach of the year and let go, and, and Nick Nurse w- was new, not new to the organization, but new to, the, the uh, I guess, the responsibility. But, but what you see from a distance, for, for me anyways, is a guy that has uh, total uh, respect and, and the ears of his players, involves them in the decision-making, and has an open mind. And, uh, you know, obviously it seems silly to say, why would a coach not have an open mind? Well, some of them don't, but, but this is like a, a partnership with the players, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it really is striking to, to hear, um, as someone who is not around the team every day, it's striking to hear how much credit he does give to the players, even for decisions that... He makes. I mean, even something last night. He was he was asked about 
um, this funny little thing that the Raptors do where they call timeout in the middle of the court rather than on either side so that they can take the ball out of the timeout on either side of the court, whichever one, whichever one they want. And, you know, that's something that um, apparently the Warriors have noticed that they're doing, and they're going to do the same thing from now on. And instead of saying, oh, yeah, this was my brilliant idea, and I've had this for 20 years going back to the British Basketball League, Nurse said, like, Kyle just did it once last year, and I thought it was cool, and we decided to keep going with it. I mean, he a lot of these decisions that he makes, he seems to credit Kyle Lowry uh, in particular. And, you know, the funny thing is I've, I've spent a lot of time around the Warriors over the last five years, and one of the hallmarks of, of Steve Kerr's style of leadership is they have this very horizontal structure, and a good idea can come from anywhere, and he is very happy to credit uh, the person who comes up with that idea, whether it's an assistant coach, whether it's a player, whether it's like his personal assistant coming up with the idea to go small in the 2015 finals. I mean, he is very happy to cede the stage uh, after the final to a 24-year-old video coordinator, if that's what it takes. And, um, and I think Nick is doing the same thing. I mean, it's, um, it's sort of remarkable. I mean, Kyle said last night that um, uh, he looked young, but he's, really, he's actually pretty old. And I, I think he looks pretty wise in this series, too. Yeah, I mean, not to, not sort of saddled with the, the baggage of insecurity where, you know, you've been around these people. Some some people want credit for everything they do, and, and then there are others who just do the right thing because it's going to benefit everybody. And I, I would suggest to you that, that that's Nick Nurse. I, I go back to uh, the Game 2 situation where he did the box and won uh, at a key moment of the game, and it, it almost paid off. And so there he's presenting it to people in the timeout of a crucial time of a crucial game, and everybody's just sort of marching forward with, well, how do we make this work because we want to succeed? And, and that's really sort of the marching orders is, what do we do to make this work? And I'm sure you guys have talked about it, but the amazing thing is that the box and one worked, right? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of brilliant. I mean, to, to be able to think outside the box like that and to, to go eight possessions where the first seven they don't score and they're clearly, clearly flummoxed. I mean, I, I don't think that we'll see it again just because the, um, you know, the element of surprise was so crucial there. But it's, it's funny. I, I, I was in Toronto in um, December and I sat down with Nick and, I was just sort of talking to him because I, I you know, before I went, I, I, I just, I didn't know he was 51. I mean, he looks younger. He had never been a head coach before. I just, it, I, I was asking him about all that head coaching experience he had in the G League and in the British Basketball League when nobody was watching him, right? And he said, you know, I, I he didn't like to talk about it. He doesn't want to remind people, um, you know, I've done this before. But he said he, this was even in December. He probably coached 30 NBA games at that point, and he said. I'm seeing all of these things play out on the NBA court that I've been through before. Like, I know when to call a timeout and when to, you know, I, I can feel the rhythm of the game because he had so, much, so many repetitions, um, even when nobody knew who he was, right? I mean, he, he, truly, he truly does seem to be this kind of basketball grinder who has made it uh, at the biggest stage. And he's seeing, like, the, this, uh, these archives that he's stored in his brain play out right in front of him. And I think that that experience is so useful and it's so... Uh, underrated, and you can't really un- appreciate it until you know you just watch him fly off the bench and try to call a timeout, like when when the, when a play has stalled and on a critical possession. I mean, when you've been through that before, um, I think it's really valuable, um, and I think the Raptors are benefiting from it. Yeah, I mean, they have that air about them where you know, for us, it's like you're seeing things happen that haven't happened before. But but as you're you're understanding that, you you look at the players and and they're presenting it as if they've done it before, and that includes the coaching staff, which is kind of an interesting view isn't it yeah and and you know what the amazing thing is i was i was thinking about this last night i mean pascal siakam was obviously brilliant in game one and you had your high variance performances from uh from lowry and danny green last night at least in terms of shooting 
they're up 2-1, and, and Kawhi has been good, but he you haven't had, like, the brilliant, like, takeover Kawhi game yet that feels like it's probably coming, right? I mean, it's come in every series so far. So to be in this position and, you know, I mean, only Kawhi Leonard can have, like, a quiet 37-6 and six last night or whatever he had, but to be in this position without getting that, that supernova game from your superstar, um, I think it's a pretty good position to be in. I just really like his demeanor. I mean, he is so, totally contained. Last night going to the podium, he had a noticeable limp. And, you know, he's playing hurt, as, as I would suggest to you. Everybody is. But he just goes about his business. And, and talk about a great centerpiece for a team. I mean, it all sort of resonates from him, doesn't it? Yeah, and especially a team that, like, you know, has gone through its insecurity issues before, right? I mean, there's probably no one in the league who um, displays less panic or feels less panic on any given possession than Kawhi Leonard. And it really does feel like the whole team has, has followed that lead this year. And when you bring in him and even Danny Green, who was just such a crucial part of that trade that like nobody talked about at the time, for him to have all that finals experience and to go like the whole Milwaukee series without making a shot and then to come into Oracle and just do what he did last night, it's, it's 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 phenomenal. Yeah, they they have this repeated storyline that goes back to the Sixers, Bucks, and now against the Warriors, where they can actually beat the other team at their own game. I don't know what it means, yeah. but it's fairly impressive to watch. Yeah, I mean they can play any way, right? I, I I talked to Danny a couple months ago, and he said like we can we can play big, we can play small, we can play short, wide, long. Like they can do anything. They can match up with any style. And the Sixers and the Bucks and the Warriors don't play the same way, and yet the Raptors look like they're going to beat all of them. Uh, it's down a different road, but uh, just as like a, a sort of a, a side of the street analysis of the officiating, uh, sometimes you watch that and you go, wow, the league can't want the, can't, can't be happy with that. What's your take on, on what you see there? Some of those calls are, I mean, it goes both ways, so it doesn't favor anybody, but sometimes it's just blatant. Yeah, it was, I, I, I noticed it a little bit more in game two than game three. It just seemed like there was a lot more ticky-tack and, and the game stopped a little bit more in game two. Um, but it's an interesting question, right? Because it's, it's the question of like what you want finals game to look like. Do you want referees to call everything? I mean, there's probably a foul on every play if you look at it closely enough. Do you want there to be flow? Do you want there to be like this, um, you know, freedom of movement? Do you want to like put the ball and the game in the players, the best player, you know, in the hands of the best players in the world? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, you know, for someone like Steph Curry, you watch him off the ball and he gets held every time, everywhere he goes, right? And you could call that every time. And yet, you know, you look for offensive rebounds and um, all that banging and crashing around the rim is probably a foul too. So, you know, I, it, it, I think it's a pretty unenviable position. Um, I'm not really sure what to do, um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to continue to probably play an important factor. Hopefully, you know, not, not too big of a factor in these next four games. Probably a question I should ask you next week, but you're here now. You work for the Wall Street Journal. I mean, if the Raptors were to, to pull this off, if they were to become the NBA championships uh, champions, what do you think the ripple effect that is on the league? Uh, I mean, I think it's great for the league, right? I mean, I think I think any team, you know, toppling uh, this Warriors dynasty um, is probably good for the league. I think you know, it's 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 funny. Obviously, Toronto is not a small market by any means, but. Um, in some ways, I think probably um, they're thought of as such just because of their, you know, they haven't really been able to land um, huge superstars in free agency. And, you know, I think probably the, the title and then um, whatever Kawhi does in free agency, um, I think w- would go a long way in 
um, in, in, in changing the way that um, maybe players see the Raptors going forward. But, you know, at the, at the very least, I mean, it's, it's something that like magical that nobody in that city will ever forget, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, and I guess, you know, there's a couple of things that I wanted to explore with that. Generally, you'd, you'd like the, the league champion to, to have some sort of a financial impact on the league. And, and I don't know if that this would happen here if, if it was to happen because it's in another country, but maybe it, maybe it exposes another revenue stream or two that the league hadn't thought of. And secondly, it, it's the construction of the roster. I mean, this is, this is not a, a, a draft team. It was originally, and, and then the ultimate and asset management brings in some veteran players. So, so maybe there's something to, to nick that way for other teams. Yeah, no, I think, I think they're, they're expertly built. And I don't think any, um, any astute observer across the league would, would think otherwise. I mean, Masai has done a phenomenal job. Um, I mean, from, from the trade for Kawhi to, you know, you watch Fred Van Vliet hound Steph Curry in three finals games, and you're like, this guy went undrafted. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, and I think, you know, from, uh, from my perspective, um, from, from going to um, a bunch of uh, games and arenas um, across the country and I guess even the continent, um, the rafter the, the the game ops are incredible but but just the the uh the makeup of the crowd i mean it really is striking even for a finals game is when tickets are so expensive how young and diverse the crowd is and i think that is the future right i mean it's it's just kind of you know i i uh i have spent a lot of, i've spent more time um than i care around um a professional basketball team or a team that that sometimes resembles a professional basketball team called the new york knicks and uh, the Knicks, when you go into their crowd, I mean, it's, it's, it's old and it's, it's expensive and, um, you know, it's, it's just hard to, um, you know, the tickets get passed down from generation to generation. And the Raptors seem to, you know, be the opposite. And it's because they've only existed for 25 years, right? Yeah. No, it is a fun crowd. It's a happening building and the hockey team plays in there and the, and the contrast between the, the basketball team and, and the Raptors, uh, uh, sorry, the hockey team in, in terms of what happens during the course of the game is, is, is an interesting contrast, to say the very least. Ben, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. That's Ben Cohen uh, from the Wall Street Journal. So you can find him at BZ Cohen with an E on the end uh, after the H in, uh, in between the N. Did I say that right? Cohen spelled with an E. Is that better? BZ or BZ Cohen. However way you want to do that. Coming up next, Dwayne Watson, normally our partner on Raptors uh, game night broadcast, but he's in Oakland, in San Francisco, getting set for game four, reported with us uh, last night uh, from the Oracle. He's next. This is Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available in the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. John Fogarty, love it. Fabulous stuff. Brad, you are number one. You've yes, guy. You, no, guy, get your own. Wow. Tomorrow morning on First Up, Landsberg and Koliakovo will be announcing a Raptors playoff keyword. Dwayne Watson is laughing. Brian Hayes will then give you the cue to call during overdrive. The first person through the correct keyword will win a pair of tickets to see the Raptors in Game 5 of the NBA playoffs. Oh, what could happen that night? All courtesy of TSN 1050. Let's bring in our good friend Dwayne Watson now. Dwayne, how are you this morning? I'm great, Timmer. How are you doing? Well, let me check. Everything's okay. Everything's okay, great yeah. here. Are you kidding? Listen, Jim, i, I got to call it your buddy Matt Cause. Oh, uh, last night on the Raptors I know, boy. He asked me, he I know. said, "Hey, who do you, who are you confident on the Raptors team?" And I said, "Everyone." And he like he scoffed, he scoffed at that. Yeah. And last night we saw a balanced Raptors attack, the edge of the Warriors and field goal percentage, assists. Then he played this team, and it was a balanced effort. That's that's what we're looking for, these guys. So, you know, Matt Cause, hey, I'm looking at you. Well, come on, he zeroed in on Danny Green, who was uh, six of ten, all three point attempts, and eighteen points. I mean, wow. 
Yeah, Danny Green, Danny Green is kind of really the key to the matchup piece. I mean, he's a guy that's been absent, especially with a three-point shooting for the playoffs and finals. And, you know, you kind of had to hope and figure that a guy who's been through the NBA finals and has that pedigree with the San Antonio Spurs would find a way to find a shot. It's funny because Shaquille O'Neal was giving him shooting tips. Uh, uh, and, and Danny said, yeah, you know, Shaq's a pure shooter, so <laughs> I appreciate the feedback he gave <laughs> Well, those guys are having fun. I like that. I mean, the one there, there's a lot of things that you like about the Raptors team. They're very engaging to watch, uh, and, and they're they're kind of well, they are. They're very sincere in their effort, and, and you can count on if Danny Green has had a bad game and he needs to have a good one, he's going to do that. And so is Marcus Saul. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. We look at this team, and that's why the makeup is so important of the squad because there's a lot of veterans in the squad. You mentioned Marcus Saul, you mentioned Danny Green, you mentioned Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry. A lot of guys have been in these moments. It's Serge Ibaka. They've been they've had a lot of playoff experience. So I think you know, going into the Oracle Arena, playing against you know the best team in the league, who is of course depleted, but knowing what they have to do, and they didn't take it for granted. I mean, with Clay Thompson in the lineup, you know, we talked about this. This was a need to win game, and they took care of business. Now. How they win it makes you feel positive. I know this, the Warriors haters saying, hey, Raptors haters saying, oh, you know, well, KD and Clay wasn't there. Of course, they're going to win. But you have to play this in front of you. And that's really the bottom line. Well, and what I'm left with is they beat the Warriors at their own game. I bounced that off a number yep. of people. They all agree. And, and I don't know that I expected to say that. But, but you can't. You, you can't avoid it. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, and especially in the third quarter, which the Raptors scored the, the Warriors 36-31. We saw what happened in Game 2 and how the Raptors weren't able to respond to the run. And they came out at halftime knowing that this team was going to try and strike him. i got to give credit to Cos because he, he picked Steph Curry in his player spotlight so that he would go off, and he did. But the Raptors were able to limit everyone else. But they responded in the third quarter, and Kawhi Leonard, 21 points in the second half. I mean, he's still that gamer for this team. Well, and, and you know, that's uh, the, the Steph Curry story is sort of controlled madness. He, he has 47 points and seven assists, and he's responsible for somewhere between 55 and 60% of their offense. And, and that's a good thing because uh, the rest of the team is totally controllable. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's, that's, that's sustainable. You can live with the 50 points, uh, even if you got 50 from Curry, if, if everyone if they lost. Because, I mean, he can do so much with the ball. And I think the problem is that I think for him, he felt that he had to do a lot to help his team you know, win, especially in the absence of Clay Thompson. And he did his part, but it's got to be the supporting, the supporting cast. And we know that we've talked about that looking at the series, that the Raptors are deeper than the Warriors. The Warriors have higher, they're, they're top, they're top heavy for sure. Their stars are, are greater than our stars, but we have a better depth. And we saw that. And what about, what about a Serge Ibaka? Six blocks last night. Yeah. Well, they're all at the key time, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think that depth is, is what's going to carry us through. Okay, so because you're here and because we have history, uh, the way we describe Steph Curry used to be when the Raptors used to play Washington with Wall, they would let him go off and control everybody else and would win the game, except for in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I remember exactly how we used to talk about it. And it's funny because even when Kai said he thought Steph Curry was going to go off, I thought, well, I don't know, because the Raptors did a pretty good job of throwing extra bodies and really making it tough for him. And with Clay off of the court, it would probably be even easier to do that. And it didn't seem to be the case, obviously, because Steph Curry did his thing. But, yeah, the Raptors... If, I mean, I figured Craig Thompson would be back for Game 4. That was the strategy. Uh, Warriors management wanted to make sure they rested him so he had the optimal strength for Game 4. But, you know, I think in terms of Clay go, Steph going off and doing what he did, that did not hurt the Raptors team at all. They didn't have to be ready because Clay is going to come back and be a different offensive weapon for this Warriors team, and we saw that in Game 2. I got to say, this is fascinating for, for a lot of reasons, and one of them is to try and figure out what's next. 
Um, obviously, when, when the Raptors get that kind of participation, you know that that's going to drop off a bit in the next game. We saw Kawhi go up to the podium last night with a limp, and, and I'm sure he's done that before, so I don't know the extent of, of how, how sore he is. And then when you factor in the, the returning Warriors, or maybe returning Warrior, you don't know exactly what they're going to be able to contribute. So, so game four to me is like totally negotiable. Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to allow myself briefly to get ahead of myself. Um, you know, as, as we are very aware there are two words away from winning the NBA championships and the finals. Not that you can just fool that, but, I mean, it would be sweet to win it at home, but I think you've got to play the games in front of you, and you've got to know the Warriors are not going to – I can't see the Warriors dropping two games at home, but it was important for the Raptors to get a win on the road to regain home court advantage. I think Kawhi, I think he's going to continue to play through whatever difficulties or injuries you got. But, you know, we look at, we talked about game to game, how things change and how the playoffs work for players and how hot they are. I think you've got to look at this 6 for 10 for 3 for Danny Green is a good indicator. I mean, he may not shoot 6 for 10 again, but if he's, if he's seen the ball go to the left distance, that's a really positive sign for him, especially as a shooter. Well, again, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, and both of us are pretty good at that. But what yeah. I, how I describe where the Raptors are is they went from winning game one to having a possibility to now having a legitimate shot. And so once you say they have a legitimate shot, you understand there are, what, four games left. And right. then you want to ask yourself, if indeed you talk to yourself, you want to ask yourself, could they do this two more times? And I think the answer would be yes. Yeah, agreed. And that's not, that's not crazy talk. I mean, two no. more times in four games, that's... Very, very low probability. So, uh, and we've seen how this team is has risen through the playoffs, and, and, and like I'm, they're not going to rule off four wins in a row. We've seen that other series, but the fact that they can do that, you know, and I and I, I was told a little insider story that someone had told me in the Milwaukee series, when they lost the first two games, um, Orlando, sorry, um, that the Raptors were basically they said they're gonna, we're going to lock in and win. We're going to we're going to win the series, and I think. They have, they have a certain level of confidence based on what they've done in this postseason so far and know how they match up. And they believe in themselves. And, they, you know, they're in the finals and not by fluke. Um, they've played this team well all season long. You could throw out regular season, but we've seen them play them well in the playoffs. And Nick Nurse has done well as well. And there's a level of confidence there. And we haven't even talked about Kyle Lowry, who had a really monster game last night. Yeah, look at his line, 43 minutes, uh, nine assists, which is key. One steal, one block, and 23 points. And, and more importantly than all those numbers, when they were stuck in mud in the second quarter at 52 points, he got them out. Yeah, and that's, that's the leader of this team. I mean, you know, you look at this guy and his – we look at Kawhi and we see the things he does on both sides of the ball, and I think you should ever – I don't think Kawhi is ever – Kyle Lowry is over, overlooked, but in terms of what he brings to this team, and like you said, more importantly – being an anchor for this team to get them out of out of the mud when he, when he keeps shots, keep baskets, he's making those plays. You know he's getting fans running, he's doing it all, and I think he's making setting up plays for for his team, and that's that's what a point guard's supposed to do, and he's really truly the heart of this ball club. Well, and what I like about that situation was it wasn't wasn't that much different from the 18-0 run that started the third quarter in Game Two, but they figured out how to get out of it, and it was Kyle who got them out of it. But now they've been through that twice. And they understand that, that that's created by not moving the ball around and not being engaged and dropping the pace off. So they know they can't do that, which is an important lesson. Yeah, and like you said, they could do it two more times. Even if it's got to be two four games, this team could do two more times. And, you know, they've, the Warriors haven't been healthy. We're very aware of that. But they've kind of been able to, they've seen a lot of what the Warriors could offer them. I mean, but you guys wasn't an issue, you know, in game three. I think they've kind of made a lot of adjustments. The third quarter, they, they came prepared. They knew what they do to the moving the ball, not letting their offense be stagnant. You know, closing out on the shooters, not letting the role players like Quinn Cook step up. And I think all those things 
if you're a Raptors fan, you got you got to feel really positive right now. Well, one of the things on my list of, of impressive accomplishments last night would have been controlling Cousins, reducing him to 19 minutes after a stud performance in Game Two. Yeah, because you don't want other guys to step up. I mean, we talked about Cousins. We saw. I think he looked more like the Game One Cousins as well in terms of what he was able to do yeah. and limiting the playmaking. I mean, he's a big playmaker for this team. He's a big body, and like I said, it's not about the role, like not letting the role players step up. If Curry can. He, score 47 points at us and they lose, they'll take that, but they can't have Curry scoring 47 and Boogie having 16, 10, and 5, and, and Iguodala other stepping up. They, they do a good job of neutralizing the role, guys, and that's that's what good teams do. Uh, Cousins only had two assists last night, which is a major drop-off, but again, that's the minutes played and, and how he wasn't allowed to do it, what he was capable of. Uh, and so the ultimate question here, Dwayne, would be, uh, the Raptors, with a series on the line, have responded repeatedly throughout the playoffs, and, and again, last night would be another chapter in that book, wouldn't it? Yeah, what a question. And I think, you know, I think there's a level of confidence. I think, you know, now, now they didn't go into, they're not going into game four as like, okay, we really need to win this game to even it up on the road. This is kind of like a, a free game for them now. Like, I mean, we expect the Warriors to kind of come back and respond at home, of course, but the Raptors could go in with a, with a carefree attitude of saying, hey, we want another game. We want to take another game. We want to see what we can do if we try and close it out. So I think that level of confidence going to the game, not saying, oh, we should, you know, the Warriors are the pressure. The pressure is not on the Raptors for this game. The pressure is definitely on the Warriors. Well, and they are proud champions, and I don't know exactly who's going to be playing for them, but you know there's going to be an answer back there. Of course there is. Of course there is. But the, 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 War, the Raptors got their win. So, I mean, there's no pressure on them. I think they can go in and play their game and go with confidence, knowing, seeing what they were able to do in the last game and how they slowed down like Cousins and the bench unit and limit their three-point shooting and limit their assists and whatnot from last game, too. So I think that confidence is going to play in the Raptors' favor. I mean, I fully expect the words to bounce back, like you said, but you know, I think that the Raptors know. I think the Raptors also know that they... One thing we've seen this team learn to do is step on the necks of their opponents. We've, yeah. In the past, you know, we've got a number of Raptors seasons, Jim, a number of games where <laughs> they'd be up and never really put guys away. They've done that in this playoff, so I'm hoping we see that in game four. Well, I always describe them in the past as being too nice, and, and I yeah. think that was, that, that was accurate. So uh, tell us, just give us, before we let you go, the, the feel in the building last night as it became apparent the Raptors were going to win this. Well, I mean, I, I'll give credit to Oracle Arena because their fans are loud, like, it's almost equally as loud as the Scotiabank Arena in terms of the Warriors' chants. Um, and they were standing up, and they were, they were really pushing their crowd on. But, you know, I was watching the Raptors fans, a bunch of Canadian flags, a bunch of signs, Raptors logos, tons of Raptors jerseys. And, you know, as they felt they're coming, the Let's Go Raptors chants were loud to the arena. And when um, Matt and Leo were doing their post-game, when, when they were doing a post-game hit, a bunch of fans jumped behind and they were singing, Oh, Canada. Hmm. And the Raptors chants were there. And the, and the Warriors fans couldn't really say anything because, you know, and, but one thing I, I actually heard a Raptors radio podcast of the walking through the hallways, and they were surprised, the, the broadcast were so surprised at how our fans have traveled. Like there was, there was a lot of Raptors fans in here tonight. But one thing we see all season with our Raptors fans is they travel around the, around the around North America for this team. And um, they were loud and proud last night. Dwayne, thanks very much. Uh, we'll chat again uh, probably tomorrow, I would, I would expect. I'm looking forward to it, Jimmer. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot, Dwayne. Take care.
Dwayne Watson. Uh, Dwayne Watson is the Twitter account, and he's part of our broadcast team here at TSN 1050. So, uh, uh, by way of closing, of course, at noon, Andy Petrillo's leaves lunch, followed by Matt Cause, followed by Overdrive. Just going to leave a, a series of questions with you where the answer is probably, I would assume, yes, guy. Do the Raptors raise the level of their performance? Yes, guy. Do the Raptors respond when the series or game is on the line? An emphatic yes, guy. Do the Raptors... Uh, uh, Sort of, uh, what's what, what am I looking for here? Do the, do the Raptors rise to the occasion is what I was after. And the answer there would be an emphatic yes guy. And on that, we'll, we'll say goodbye. So the Raptors win 123-109, have a 2-1 series lead. Game 4 coverage for you tomorrow right here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the TSN and iHeartRadio apps.